One of the reasons I love to read history so much is that as you read history all throughout humanity's journey, with your mind open to what you're seeing in front of you on those pages or say in a documentary, but also with your mind fully open to what we know to be true in the scriptures, well, you see the glory of scripture borne out. You see its wisdom really being true in the ins and outs of the human journey. And I'm going to be talking today about my old friend Napoleon Bonaparte and the way that he kind of got to see some of the absurdities of of the human life. But I love what he said about history. He said, study much history and meditate upon it, for it is the only true philosophy. What he meant there is, We can have all kinds of esoteric theologies and philosophies and all kinds of thoughts about what is truth, but it's actually in history that it moves from the theoretical into the completely applied and practical. So in his saying that, study it for it is the only real true philosophy. Gosh, I really agree. Well, when you think of the love of wisdom philosophy and you look at all of the scriptures from Genesis to Revelation, I think one of the most bracingly true pieces of scripture that really kind of punches us right in the nose is the book of Ecclesiastes. And a lot of people like to shy away from Ecclesiastes because it feels like a downer. But friends, I don't know if you've noticed, so much of the human story is struggle, is going after the wrong things, is becoming so tied into the material world that we lose track of what is true, real, and worthwhile. So I like the bracingness of Ecclesiastes because I don't want to follow the vanity of vanities way. I don't want to get so tied into things that are meaningless that I lack uh, meaning, truth. And so I'm going to save you some time today. You don't necessarily need to read all of Ecclesiastes because out of all of what you might remember of Ecclesiastes, meaningless, meaningless, vanity of vanities, we land upon the kind of glorious, challenging 12th chapter. And I'm going to read to you the entirety of it. Because this is where King Solomon, the teacher as he's known, lands after all his chapters of describing his own journey through the meaningless realities that can take over our human existence. So, here you are, Ecclesiastes 12. Remember your creator in the days of your youth, before the days of trouble come, and the years approach when you will say, I find no pleasure in them. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars grow dark and the clouds return after the rain, when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men stoop, when the grinders cease because they are few, and those looking through the windows grow dim, when the doors to the street are closed and the sound of grinding fades, when people rise up at the sound of birds, but all their songs grow faint, when people are afraid of heights and of dangers in the streets, when the almond tree blossoms and the grasshopper drags itself along and desire no longer is stirred. Then people go to their eternal home and mourners go about the streets. Remember him before the silver cord is severed and the golden bowl is broken before the pitcher is shattered at the spring and the wheel broken at the well and the dust returns to the ground it came from and the spirit returns to God who gave it. 
Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Everything is meaningless. And then the book of Ecclesiastes actually ends with sort of an afterword, and we don't know who wrote this, but listen. Not only was the teacher wise, but he also imparted knowledge to the people. He pondered and searched out and set in order many proverbs. The teacher searched to find just the right words, and what he wrote was upright and true. The words of the wise are like goads. They're collected sayings like firmly embedded nails given by one shepherd. Be warned, my son, of anything in addition to them. Of making many books, there is no end, and much study wearies the body. Now, all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. And so ends the kind of mighty book of Ecclesiastes. Now again, I like reading Ecclesiastes about once a year because, friends, do we really want to be tied into things that are drawing our life in the wrong direction? Do we want to be people who say, yeah, I'm pretty sure that uh, money, sex, power, grandeur, glory, I'm pretty sure those must be the way that we're supposed to go, rather than looking back through history, the only true philosophy, and saying, wait a minute, has not every generation gone after the exact same things to the same meaningless ends? Which brings me to my old friend Napoleon. Because the reason I am so interested in Napoleon, have been probably since, I don't know, I was probably 16 years old, is that in this life, we really do get to see the heights of the book of Ecclesiastes. We get to see someone in a position of complete eminence, power, military might, riches, um, intrigues, love, romance, all of these different parts. I mean, I sometimes think that Napoleon is about the second most interesting person who's ever lived because he did it all and yet lacked the one thing. And so that's my little preamble to give you a moment from his life. Uh, in about 1800, in fact, it was 1800, um, he stepped into this new role called being the first consul of France. He came practically out of nowhere. He had been this general who suddenly got onto this winning streak, first at Toulon and then in Italy. And next thing you know, he's put in charge of the entire country of France as practically not even a Frenchman himself. And so as he goes from being given this title, first consul, he's paraded through the streets of Paris over to the Tuileries Palace. And so I want to read to you, this is from the, the wonderful historian, uh, Will Durant, and he's describing how that procession goes. And it's so Ecclesiastes that it just stops me in my tracks. So I'll, I'll just read it to you. It was the first example of the many public displays with which Napoleon hoped to impress the public of Paris. He explained to his secretary, Tonight at last we shall sleep in the Tuileries. You are better off than I. You are not obliged to make a spectacle of yourself, but may go your own way there. I must, however, go in procession. That disgusts me, but it is necessary to speak to the eyes of the people. 
In the army, simplicity is in the proper place. But in a great city, in a palace, the chief of the government must attract attention in every possible way, yet still with prudence. Durant goes on. The ritual was triumphantly completed with but one disturbing note. On one of the guardhouses through which Napoleon passed into the courtyard of the palace, he could have seen a large inscription reading, 10th of August, 1792, Royalty in France is abolished and shall never be restored. As they walked through the rooms that had once displayed the wealth of the Bourbon kings, State Councilor Rederer remarked to the First Consul, General, cela est triste. General, this is sad. To which Napoleon replied, Oui, comme le gloire. Yes, like glory. I read those words two, three months ago, and I sat sad, thinking about a human life who knew history to be the only true philosophy, who literally walked past a sign that said royalty is abolished and will never be restored and was walking in to take his place as sort of a proto-king and saying to his own heart, yeah, this is sad, glory is sad, but I'm going to take what I can get. I often say when I get into conversations with friends, they say, why do you care so much about Napoleon? I say, because... If that's the height of what human life can be and it ends as sad as that one does, well, I don't want to take any of those steps. I want to walk a totally different way, which takes me all the way back to Solomon. Friends, here's my thought for your day today. I don't know if you're having the most joyous day of your life and this total bummer podcast is not what you want to be listening to, or maybe, just maybe, you're going about a week in your life where it feels downcast. It feels like, what am I doing with my life? It feels like you're chasing glory, which is sort of sad, and you kind of wish you could step off that treadmill. Well, let me echo the words of Solomon and also the words of Durant and Napoleon to bring you back onto the way. Because right now is the time to remember your Creator. To remember the one who made you out of the dust of the earth, breathed life into your lungs, and actually has made you for a purpose. Yes, as verse 6 says, remember him. The one who created all things, upheld all things, and then inserted himself into the creation reality to save you. What a thrill. And I love that the teacher Solomon searched to find just the right words. Friend, we we don't have to worry about the right words. We are searching and seeking after the right word. The word incarnate, the one that in verse 11 of Ecclesiastes 12 is called the one shepherd. Do you see him there? That shepherd of our hearts, standing there with that stick in his hand, calling us his sheep closer. We can hear his voice by his Holy Spirit. Let's listen. And let's listen again to Solomon speaking to our hearts and saying, listen, fear God, keep his commandments. For yes, this is the duty of all mankind. Friends, this is your 
duty. And then let's, like I like to do, let's repurpose that march that Napoleon took to the Tuileries Palace. Friends, we are not going across the city of Paris today. We are crossing across the course of this day, but we do it in a different kind of procession. We follow in the glorious train of the King of Kings who has already conquered sin and death. Yes, we do it in simplicity. We don't try and trumpet it. We don't try and say to the world, look at us, we're so self-important. Because friends, the royalty we are trying to espouse and follow in today is not the royalty of France. It's not the leadership of even the country you live in. It's the royalty of the kingdom of heaven whose king is triumphant. Earthly glory, it is inherently sad because it ends in dust. But the glory of the kingdom of heaven in its simplicity, in its processional back toward the throne room of heaven is always purely, capital G, glorious. So no matter what kind of day you're having today, whether you're feeling up or down, whether you're feeling triumphant or kind of tragic, I want to remind you that the good shepherd, who is himself the word, is calling you into a royalty that will never be abolished and that will never be sad because the place he has for you in it is glorious, in joy, and in peace. Friends, let's learn the truths of history. Let's look at the true philosophy that has been borne out by the march of mankind across time and say to ourselves, I don't follow that way. I follow the way who is himself the way. Now let's go do it. That's what I'm going to do today. And I'd love to meet you out there chasing him yourself. Thanks for listening.